Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss. Hi, everybody. And each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. I can tell you that until I started, it was very hard for me to accept that this person who was so amazing actually loved me back because I didn't know that was possible. And I revisit that a lot because I don't take it for granted. The reason I don't take it for granted is because I've learned to love me a lot more. And I think you cannot expect to have a fulfilling, committed relationship if you can't have that self-love component. Hi, Atomic Mamas. It's another rainy day in L.A. I am finally feeling better. I am uh, so happy to be kicking off that second phase of pregnancy. Uh, You know, I started tackling all our junk drawers in the kitchen this morning and filling up boxes to give away. And I was like, oh, oh, baby, it's nesting phase. (laughs) These hormones, I'm telling you, I'm not really driving this ship, am I? Like, I am totally at the whim of my hormones and this baby in my belly. Uh, I am feeling so much better and so much happier. Uh, And today, I got to volunteer for Hot Lunch Friday at my daughter's preschool. And uh, I got to serve pizza to all the kids in her class. And uh, I'm pretty much like a celebrity now. It was so good for my (laughs) self-esteem. Like... Sabrina kept going, that's my mama. That's my mama. Uh, And then she'd like yell across to the other table to another kid and be like, that's my mama. And then she um, gave me about a thousand hugs. And I was trying to be discreet because I didn't want to get, you know, kids upset that their parents weren't there and, um, you know, trying to play it cool. But yeah, kind of felt like a rock star. It was a big ego boost, and uh, it was so much fun. And and then I just left her at school so that she would nap because she won't nap for me. She hasn't in like two years. Uh, quick announcement. Next week, the construction on our garage podcast studio. Uh, you guys know about the big leak from all these rains. Anyway, uh, it's been going on like for six weeks now, this construction. So anyway, uh, it's ending next week, supposedly. I'm very excited to get back in there to record. So I'm going to take next week off. I just decided that spur of the moment thing um, because I want to start making room for the baby in our house before it's too hard for me to bend over. You know that uncomfortable feeling when your belly like hits your thighs and you're like, it kind of like feels all smushy and you're like, ugh. Yeah. So I'm going to clear out my closet because my closet's in the guest room, which uh, there is a, you know, a permanent guest arriving in July. So I got to make some room. Okay. So our guest today is Katie Strickland. She is a mama, wife, actor, and she's an activist. And you can see her on Hulu's Shut Eye right now. All of this season's episodes are available on Hulu. You may know her work uh, on ABC's dramas Private Practice and Secrets and Lies. She starred opposite Ryan Phillippe in Secrets and Lies, and Private Practice was created by Shonda Rhimes, and it was a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy, uh, and it was on for six years at least. There was a lot happening around us in this conversation, you know, telemarketers calling, Roof guy showed up unannounced, um, sort of banging around. Uh, I think Katie and I deserve a prize for keeping our conversation semi-coherent. So I'm really excited to have her on, not only because she's just a rock star person, but because she's another great example of a mom who approaches parenting a little differently than me. For example, she's uh, she nursed for three plus years. She co-slept for ever. And uh, we honor each other's differences and we cheer each other on uh, as we all do on Atomic Moms, right? We're Switzerland in the mommy wars. So there. You guys, I feel so much better. I'll be right back with Katie Strickland. Happy Valentine's, moms. (laughs) 
Happy Valentine's. I feel like we all need to say it to each other. Happy Valentine's. Happy V-Day. Happy Vagina Day. Uh, I'm Ellie Noss. I am back. I am in Katie Strickland's gorgeous home. Uh, I have been a lurker from the outside for a long time. Uh, We live in the same neighborhood. Your daughter's been here. Um, That is true. She has. And I guess our dog pooped in your yard. He did. Yeah, that was uh, on Adam's watch. That was great. (laughs) It was great. It was such a sweet thing. Because she saw Atticus through the gate and was like, that's Atticus. He got so excited. And then I was like, why do you have to go home? You guys just come in. Oh, you need to go be with your mom. I understand. Actually, I think they were going to get dinner or something. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Something super sweet. Yeah. Because one of the most important things we share in common is that we hit the lottery. With our men. With our our men. Yeah. 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 If that isn't like, I mean, I'm so woo-woo about this stuff, but I just feel chosen. Mm. You know, like I feel like we chose each other. And I feel like that child definitely chose us. Oh, yeah. Sabrina chose us, like, ah, and thank God she did. I mean, both of our children, like, ah, they just, they, I mean, we're so lucky. We're so in love. We are. And we're lucky that as parents, we have chosen to parent in a very specific way with our partners cohesively. We have, and I think you guys are like us. You have very different backgrounds. And sometimes different ways of expressing. But the way you, in my observation, respectfully parent together is very evident in your child. We were at a thing at our school last night. All the parents went for a community evening with the teachers. And it was basically like a potluck where you sit. <laughs> it was so weird because we were all looking around like, my child's not here. This is the strangest thing. I'm with you all and we're not doing pickup. That's and it really was amazing because our, our preschool is very uh, parent centric. There's mm-hmm. a lot of get-togethers without the children. It's great. It is okay. So continue potluck, potluck, no kids, no kids. And what I realized is these families. There's such a collective consciousness in the way that our kids get to express their authentic selves. That's part of the whole form of educational system we put Atticus in. Kids are allowed to be who they are and express and to have massive feelings and to experience those feelings. And that was not the way my education was at all. And I did have a real moment of gratitude. And we talked about it because we were sort of allowed to ask any questions and discuss anything we wanted to and comment on what we'd like to see improved upon or whatever it was. But it was our opportunity to be with each other and express with the teachers like, you know, have you noticed if my kid actually eats fruit? Because my kid never eats with me, and I know you do a separate snack. You know, like it's uh-huh. the, even the littlest things like that to, you know, the meter maid is trying to attack all of the parents' cars when we do school drop-off. Is there any way to improve upon mm-hmm. this? To me asking, my son has come home, and I'm very curious what this thing of I'm not your friend, I'm a bad boy Where did he hear that? Is that here? Because I've never seen it at the park, and we certainly don't cultivate that in our home. And it's the older kids. Yeah. It's older siblings, or do you think it's the older kids in the preschool? Well, they said it's both. But the, you know, to go back to what I was saying, it all was relative to partnership and rearing children in a partnership. And I also had that moment of, just thank God I'm not doing this as a single mother. And thank God when I'm not around, my husband is. And when he's not around, I am. And this is the sweet spot because both of us are not working at this very moment. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back into work in a few months. Um, and that will be another big transition because it will be different than any other time I've been at work. Because I've, I went back to work um, four months after Atticus was born. And it's a completely different experience to do what I do professionally with a child, completely. And one of the things that I love about my husband, particularly with the current job, I hold an Atticus's awareness now about me being at work. Jason says to him, and I just love him for it so much, mom is going to make her art. Wow. And that 
is the highest compliment coming from my husband, who I respect so much artistically. And the fact that my child has that impression that that's what I do because my husband framed it that way and that my child knows how much art means to us as people because we really try to experience all forms of art with him. Um, it really, I love my husband even more for it. You know, I mean, it's a beautiful thing when you have that. And I know your husband is a part of your partnership with the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the parenting. Poor man has to, uh, he knows everything about the podcast. Oh, my God, it was so sweet. Last night he goes, <laughs> Ellie, you know, there because I was thinking about, just starting to compare myself to other podcasts. And obviously for a parenting podcast, it's independently run. Like I'm so lucky to have all of our, you know, you guys are keep me going and you guys are such incredible mothers all around the world. And I wouldn't want anything more. And uh, driving home past your house, he said, you know, Ellie, it's like a restaurant. Okay. You know, there are these <laughs> Big restaurants, like you can have a macaroni grill and there's like a million people working there and they're doing a bunch of different stuff and, you know, but it's the same menu everywhere. Or you're like this one unique little restaurant and maybe you have eight tables, but like every night you prepare something different that's so special and unique just for that restaurant. Oh, you are like, like full on brick and mortar local, organic, farmed, <laughs> awesome. That's what you are. I brought over the mics in a laundry basket, everyone. <laughs> she sure did. My husband and I about fell down. Pregnant lady carrying microphones in a laundry basket. That's that's Le Los Angeles. It, feels, it also feels like so, it's like so on point with the mom, yeah. momness of it all. Um, but you know, I wanted to say too, mm -hmm. what I love about when your husband is on this and what I always think about is, and we were joking about this earlier, it's super intimate to bring him into this. I mean, it's a different kind of intimacy, how appropriate for Valentine's. But it is. It's a very it's a very intimate thing because you are completely putting yourself out there. And I think there's something interesting sometimes in a marriage or in a relationship. I've been thinking about this a lot because I um, brought out these books the first year that Jason and I dated for his birthday, I made, and it ended up being two huge, massive books that were our story through photographs. And I actually recruited his family and got all these baby pictures of him and talked about a girl from Georgia and a boy from Minnesota meeting in Japan because that's where we met. And then, of course, I tried to set him up with one of my best friends. <laughs> self-sabotage. Well, self-sabotage. And she'd had such a crush on him Oof. when she watched Roswell <laughs> and talked about him. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this movie with this. This is the cast. And she was like, you are not meeting that man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you have any idea? I was like, I don't because I didn't own a TV back then. So I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I immediately, she broke up with a boyfriend who was also named Jason. And I thought, how perfect. I'll be very Jane Austen like Emma and set them up. I'll make their lives so great. Of course, never, never in a million years thinking that this guy, and he was the first relationship I had where we'd formed a friendship. There was not, because I used to, I was like this, I have a hard time believing you didn't have a sexual spark from the beginning. No, everybody, he was called Mr. Delicious. Like yeah. everybody was very aware that he was a beautiful person. By the way, my daughter who's three and a half. When we have gone <laughs> swimming in the past, uh, we've gone swimming with Katie and her husband. Um, my daughter, who's probably two and a half at the time, yeah. I feel like she learned how to swim just so she could swim into his arms. <laughs> like... I mean, Sabrina has good taste in men, but she, yeah. I mean, I think everyone's pretty aware uh, that Jason is Mr. Delicious. He is. Well, it's funny. He was involved with someone, and I was involved with someone, and I was in a very new relationship when we met. So we would—it's so funny to think back of it. We would literally go out and talk about our relationships because he'd been in a long-term one, and I'd been in a very new one. And so I was trying to process, like, what it's like to— meet this guy and be dating for a month and then leave the country. Yeah. So needless to say, I literally come back from Japan. This gentleman that I was dating at the time said, hey, I'm going to, I'm surprising you. I'm taking you on this trip. We went to Hawaii and I'm literally on the beach with him. And I'm like, 
I think my friend Jason should bring his girlfriend here because everything he told me about her, I bet they would love it here. I mean, so literally that was the way my mind was around him. He should do this. He would appreciate this experience. How amazing. Cut to he and the girlfriend break up. And that's when I decided to play Emma. But we went out to a cast dinner because Sarah Michelle Gellar's husband had arranged a dinner for all of the cast to get back together because she'd had such a good experience and missed everyone. On Roswell. No, um, on, on The Grudge. On The Grudge. Which is what we met on. Okay. And so I brought this guy I was dating, and Jason came solo. And I was like, oh. I was very surprised that Jason was now a singleton. And my boyfriend at the time and I talked to him a good deal that night as we did with everybody in the cast. But later that night, the guy I was dating said to me, he's such a great guy. I can see why you guys were such great friends. Some time passed. I realized I had no business being in a relationship. I just had moved to Los Angeles. With anyone. I had moved to Los Angeles and had left the country twice. It's a 20-something-year-old woman in Los Angeles starting her acting career, and I needed to work on myself. And I didn't need to put all of my energy into another being to fulfill all these things, though lovely and great person and much better suited for someone that was prepared to be in a relationship. So we had a date scheduled and I went over to his house and I said, look, I think you're an amazing person. You're so amazing that you should put that energy into someone that can receive it. And he said, you know... I appreciate that. And I just want to say to you, because I think you're right, you do need to ground yourself because you are here now in Los Angeles. And I just want to say that everybody has an agenda with you. I've met a lot of your friends. I have an agenda with you. You have one friend that I really hope you keep. I really hope you and Jason stay in touch because he's a good person. And I can tell he's a real friend to you. Been around him one night. One night. And... I really, I mean, that tells you how amazing that guy was. He could see the truth right there. And who knows if he thought in some Yeah, but world. also not to use it as like some weird jealousy thing. No. It's pretty incredible. It was incredible. And then years later, I was in the tea store around the corner from where Jason and I lived, and we were engaged. And I saw him. And he looked at me, and he looked at my hand, and he just went, Jason? And I said, Yes. And he said, that's wonderful. And it, it was just so, I mean, what an evolved man, right? Um, so you've been married for 10, ten years. years. Mm-hmm. What is, how do you keep evolving as individuals while also maintaining your bond as a couple? You know, it's funny. I, someone, I was out to lunch the other day with a girlfriend and she was talking about her woes with men and said, like, I can't believe you've been married for 10 years. How do you do that? And I said, I honestly, and I get paid to pretend like I'm in love with other people and I have marriages <laughs> with other people and all of that. I can't, but like, it doesn't, I can't imagine my life in any other incarnation. Like, I just really can't. He is, and I didn't know that I could love him more, but who I saw emerge now that he is, I love watching you put your hand on your womb. So <laughs> great. He, and it's because I'm thinking about this, he is such an amazing father. Mm-hmm. Like the the way he is with our child, I think the biggest thing that we have to really negotiate, navigate as parents, and it's gotten easier as Atticus has gotten older, because we don't put it into our kid. It goes somewhere. You don't put what into your kid? We don't put... Um, aggression. We don't put frustration. We don't put the exhaustion you get Mm -hmm. and the need to navigate emotions sometime. We don't do that. And we also don't lie in front of our child about it. Mom and dad are going to have a conversation. We need to be very clear with each other right now. Can you please give us three minutes? We're having some big feelings. And Atticus is a part of it. We don't pretend we're fine. So where does he go? He's right there. So you say we're going to talk to each we're other and have a conversation. And it usually is having a lot of big feelings right now about this and I'm really frustrated. 
And it's that kind of languaging. And it's not that we have to get into the facts in front of our kid, but sometimes just saying that is enough because sometimes that has to have its its space held. And the child, in my opinion, should not have to sit and wonder why his parents are putting a veil over things because that right. is not constructive. And, and then the child can wonder, is it me? Yeah, well, that's exactly what can happen. And that's what I wondered when my parents tried to pretend that things were okay and I knew they weren't because children are super intuitive anyway. And if we think that they're not going to call our bluff, we're kidding ourselves. We just have to give them permission to be who they are. And, you know, that's a, that's very freeing because in truth, we we had never, you know, Jason, and we are pretty good at navigating difficulty. I mean, in the first year of our relationship, people were born, people died. We've had animals together for many years and we've had to put them down, you know, things like that, that are big events for a couple. I mean, they are because we're super animal lovers. Um, those were big events for us. We've traveled the world together. We've had all these things. And the truth is we've had to work separately. We've had to work separately. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. The truth is, he is so different than me as much as we are in some ways very dynamically similar. We are dynamically different. He grew up in a van on the road with three brothers and a sister. The Total sister, hippies. though, came later. Full-on hippies from Minnesota. My parents were my joint Sunday school teachers, deeply religious, you know, so it's it's still married. So there are these fundamental differences in our rearing. But what I am so clear about is our commitment to each other and our commitment to laughing at ourselves a lot. And the truth is, I still learn about him all the time. Mm -hmm. Like there are things that I learn about. That story he was telling you before we started the podcast. I've never heard (laughs) the vomit story. That was amazing. And I was walking in out late. I'm like, I have been married to you for 10 years. I've known you for 13. Where where was this story? Do you know? Right. (laughs) It's so funny. But I also love that. Mm -hmm. You know, you think you know know everything about a person. 10 years can go by so quickly. And we're so different than when we first met. And in some ways, we're exactly the same. You know, people have seen us stick through so much transition since we've gotten yeah. together. And I feel like, because I've seen you guys, you know, I, I at Atticus's birthday party, I've seen the way you guys navigate each other and, and your family and Sabrina. And it's, you recognize it. Jason and I talk about this all the time. Like you meet certain couples and you're like, I get that. It's the whole thing mm-hmm. of that's my tribe. You understand yeah. that they, they're living in a wavelength that, you know, I am very honoring of because it's not easy to do. It's not no. easy to work on a relationship. And it's there not is easy work. to work and on it, yourself. And for example, earlier I was saying, you know, that we're so lucky that there's so much love, but we are also cultivating the love and we are making a choice every day. And mm-hmm. I'm sure later in this mm-hmm. podcast, we will be sharing sort of our backgrounds a little more and that, you know, we are, we're choosing a different way. Um, with our families in expressing like constant expression of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny from, I don't know if I've shared on the podcast ever, you can tell me because you've listened the to historian like all of them, uh, the historian, um, that I met Adam at a bar across the street from the hospital where I gave birth to our daughter. <laughs> I don't remember that. that That's cool? so great. We met at a bar. Um, three months later, we were engaged. Oh, Texas. So Texas. Engaged at 23. I mean, when that's... you know, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, we, we dated for a year, and then we got married on my dad's birthday, which, by the way, is um, uh, our l- little baby in my belly right now. The due date is July 27th, and our 10-year wedding anniversary and my dad's birthday will be July 28th. That's pretty cool. So unbelievable. Uh, And to have only known him for three months before getting engaged, man, we're we're going on 10 years of marriage. And it's – I always felt like we were cut from the same cloth. Like we were different. We're very different. And we we are recognizing more and more how different we are, Mm -hmm. I'd say. Anyone who is uh, in a new relationship, get just go to Ikea like every weekend because they will <laughs> never go with you again. 
I'm trying to think of all the things he won't do now that we've been married so long. He will not go to Ikea. Uh, he probably won't go see a movie I want to see. Uh, but that's also when I have the opportunity to um, spend more time with my mom friends mm-hmm. and my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And uh, the longer you're in a relationship with your spouse, the long- the more you can recognize, oh, this person gives me all of these things in my life. Um I can lean on him when I need to, but also there are these other things. Like I can go have lunch with Nikki and Katie and I'll get this totally other, Mm -hmm. uh, super important, like filling up Mm -hmm. that that's not capable, um, that my partner can't do and, and wouldn't need to, because there's something that is very particular about female friendships, which Mm -hmm. we'll also get into. Uh, I want to ask you because in your strength, you are very beautiful. And I'm wondering if on this Valentine's, you can share with us if there's any rituals you do so that you can just feel good in your own skin. Well, I have to be physical because it really connects me to my body. Um, I really love to take a hike. Take a hike. I do because I, I love to be not in a pounding way, but in a very, it is a very, I, I love when you're hiking and you can feel your muscles wrap around your joints. And that's something that I really remember in carrying a child. I remember feeling, because I think that's like the holiest time. For me, it was in my life. And certainly I think it just shifted me so much to bring Atticus in and when I want to reconnect to any strength, vulnerability, any way of seeing myself, going on a hike and breathing in fresh air and looking at nature really does affect me. Like I know it affects me to be outside. It affects me sometimes to just take off my shoes and put my bare feet on the ground to feel the earth. Because I think it gets so heady. Sometimes it can get, life can get so heady. Mm -hmm. And I'm someone who I, I tend to not stop. Very hard for me to stop. And I used to be much better at it than I am now. Like really just taking a breather. Um, I don't do that as much as I need to. And that's sort of a, a bit of a focus for me right now. And I feel like I can get completely wrapped up in The time I have with Atticus, the time I have with Jason, we used to have a date night every Friday. We don't have that anymore because we don't have additional childcare right now unless we really seek out a sitter and there are only so many that we actually trust to come into our home and to be with our child. So things like that, I feel like I was a little bit better at before because a great way to reconnect to myself is to connect with my husband, which is funny. Uh, What is there something that you two do? Like I've been sharing recently on the podcast after having Dr. Laura Berman on, like oh I'll do God, the hug with Adam. I love the hug. I love that you did that. I love that you did that. Yeah, everyone just uh, with your partner or listen, all single moms out there, big shout out to you right now on Valentine's. Hug yourself. Hug, hug your yourself. baby. 30 seconds. Or was it three minutes? I can't remember. I just think you awkward can enough just put threes in anything threes and it works in, that yeah. well. Um, uh, no, that but that that's can true. totally reconnect you. Is there something that you guys do or something you that like, makes you I feel love. sensual? Um, he does. Sometimes I look at him, I swear, like some days, <laughs> some days we'll have a shower. Um, <laughs> not together individually because it's, it's like Atticus, it's one of us has to be with him. He's a boy. And, yeah. And they're. He's just a very curious child, and he loves to be with us. Um, but I sometimes my husband will have a shower and just, like, put on a pair of jeans and a shirt and go outside to, like, revisit us on our way to the car or something if we're going to go up to mm-hmm. the park or whatever it is. And I'm like, you are so fine. <laughs> you are just so fine, and you smell so good because yeah. nobody smells like my husband. Oh, he has the best smell. And – Sometimes I I just love having that experience with him. But what we do when we do have a date night is we schedule the person around four o'clock and we will go for a run or a hike together. Adam and I I went for uh, a walk last night 
And it was so funny because one of our friends, little friends, Milo, his dad was walking down the street and he goes, (laughs) he goes, where's Sabrina? (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. People do the same thing. I was like, well, this is our date night. We went for a long walk and it was great. It is. It is a beautiful thing to do because you have conversations. physical, right? Like just get out there. It's a great date night thing to do. Just start with a walk or start. It totally changes your mindset. I was in a terrible mood. Yeah. And uh, it totally shifted it for me. And it does that. It does that for me as an individual. And it does that for me in partnership. And I think that's just really honoring that. Like, I don't like feeling stagnant. I don't like that feeling. And sometimes it's easy to do that when you're tired or when Mm -hmm. you are focusing on everything outside of yourself. So that to me is very helpful but also I, I've really recently, it's like, really focus on what you're grateful for in life. And more of it comes in. I mean, I remember this yes. house, for example, <laughs> Jason and I were living um, in West Hollywood and we had this sweet little place we were renting and he came home one day and I started packing boxes and he was <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I said, we are going to buy a house this year. And if we don't start packing now, we're not going to be ready because it's going to happen fast. We're going to buy a house this year. And he, God help him, he indulged me, you know. And then I just did. I started packing that place up. And then private practice got another pickup. And I knew that we would be in a place where we could start looking for a home as a result of that. And I was like, see, see, look at that. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, that's the stuff I have to remember more of. And 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 I think that's so important for especially Valentine's because there's a lot of moms, man. Uh, I grew up with a single mom for many years. There's a lot of, uh, I'm very aware uh, of all the mamas out there that don't have someone special in their lives right now. Um, a lot of moms that are married that don't have someone special That's in their very lives true. right now. Um, and just know that we're we're here for you. And also there are other moms that are, are there for you. I promise. Just reach out and just start noticing the little good things in our lives. Like what are the little delights going for a walk that's totally free? It's totally free. These podcasts are totally free. Man, mm-hmm. uh, our mutual friend Nikki Delos just texted us like, "You've oh got to listen to John Lewis is exquisite." Yeah, so there's a John Lewis interview um, with, with Tippett. Krista Tippett uh, on being with Krista Tippett, and so I listened to that yesterday while I was cleaning out the pantry. <sighs> I am a slob. I hate cleaning things. It makes me irritable. I listened to that while I was cleaning the pantry, and I was like, "Oh wow!" And I would not have listened to that episode probably. Yeah, it just wouldn't have. It would not have know. crossed my radar, um, and it's it's that was free. That was just free inspiration, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's all around us. And the more we focus on those little things, and I, I will say because it just frustrates the hell out of me when people are just like crazy manifestors and they never acknowledge that there's like bad things in the world. Cause I feel like that's a super, super white privileged place to be like, every, you know, just seeing the world as like a total manifestation where you're, and I'm like, no, because there's a lot of people in like horrible situations. And I do not believe that that's like because of karma or that they somehow like didn't manifest themselves out of it. Like it's a very privileged uh, position to have, I think to, but it, there are elements of it that I think absolutely work, and we should focus on what's good and act as though in the John Lewis interview, mm-hmm. act as though it's already happened. And that's what you did, packing those boxes. I did. And the other thing, you're really, this is very provocative, Miss Ellie, everything uh-huh. you're saying. Um, I think one of the things, because it, you really, we're sitting here talking about partnership and why we have these extraordinary men, and I am very grateful we're celebrating them. And I can tell you that until I started, it was very hard for me to accept that this person who was so amazing actually loved me back. It's very difficult because I didn't know that was possible. And I revisit that a lot because I don't take it for granted. And it's very easy to do that. But the reason I don't take it for granted is because I've learned to love me a lot more. And I think you cannot expect to have a fulfilling, committed relationship 
or a complicated relationship, which in my opinion is is paramount because it's not in real time if it's all easy. I think that those journeying moments with another person are sometimes the most important, they're the most fundamental. And a lot of times what that does is really put you in a position to get into yourself and deal with you. Whenever there's any complication uh, or frustration or need to have a quote unquote moment with each other, it's because something is coming up for me that I need to look at. And I know that. I know it's an opportunity. And I do think that single mothers, single parents, because there are single fathers as well, that rear children a heck of a lot better than, than some of the circumstances the mother is finding themselves in sometimes in life. Um, I think it's really important to honor yourself. And it's really important to Take a moment with all the things that you can pile up as as things you don't like about yourself to look at what you do like, what you are doing well. It is so important because if you don't do that, your child's not going to relate to you in that way. Mm -hmm. If you are talking about yourself in a Mm -hmm. way that's not positive, your child's not going to relate to you in a positive way. Your partner's not. You can't expect them to because you're so focused on the things that don't work that it's very hard for people to focus on what does if you can't hold space for that. And that's what I was going to say. It's, it's, it is, it is a very privileged position and we are very fortunate that we do conscientious work on ourselves. But I will also say it's a very fundamental part of humanity. If you can really going back to John Lewis, express it in love, express it in love. It goes back to the, all you need is love thing. Cause I really believe if you can't have that self-love component, you're going to really run into some problems when you try to have partnerships or parenting dynamics that that work in a very fluid way. When we come back, we're going to talk to Katie about growing up in Georgia. We're going to be talking about her own mama and uh, how that influenced one of her <laughs> most important roles to date. and uh, Motherhood? motherhood and also <laughs> private practice and um and yeah we're going to hear about what she's doing this valentine's day we'll be right back we're back with katie strickland <laughs> oh man i can't believe that this gets to be our valentine's episode i can't either it's I'm so, so perfect i emailed katie last night and asked if she was going to, you know, give a lecture to her favorite mom friends, what would the name of her lecture be? And what did you say? All you need is love. All you need is love. And then I was like, this is crazy because I just realized because we're pre-recording this that this will be the Valentine's episode. And I was like, that couldn't be more perfect. It's funny when you when you sent me that, I was like, I wonder if this is part of our interview, if this is just random Ellie's amazing brain <laughs> of like... What part of humanity can I explore? I'll ask this question of the women I love. And I that ask. would be something that you would do because that's just how you express your humanity all the time. Well, at least in my experience. It's, it's true. Nice you really do. You. you investigate the human spirit. Well, You've made that you. your life's mission. It's sort of my impression of what you do. I think you're probably right, and that just kind of freaked me out. Uh, (laughs) I was a guest on a podcast called Conscious Living Podcast, and she asks, Mm. as a final question in her podcast, it's, you know, if you were to give um, a final lecture, what would the title of it be? So that was kind of my spin on it. I can't take all credit. Um, but Oh, but you can because you asked it. You're right. (laughs) You did ask it. And I think, uh, first I want to tell our listeners that, This feels so crazy to be recording in your house right now because I remember three and a half years ago Mm -hmm. pushing Sabrina in her her stroller down the street in our neighborhood and seeing a very pregnant woman and her husband going into their home. And I was so thirsty for, (laughs) like, mom uh, camaraderie and... um, just when you're pregnant or when you have a newborn, all of a sudden you just see everyone else who's pregnant or is having a newborn and you're like, oh my God, you're like me. And I, uh, and, and it turned out that stranger who was pregnant was you. 
That's so funny. And it's so crazy to me. And then I heard your name again and again uh, from our girlfriends, Teresa Palmer, who's been on the show many times, and Marie Horgan, who's also been on the show many times. Mm -hmm. And Sabrina and your son, Atticus, uh, played soccer together for a while. I know. I'm trying to suck her back in. I know. We need some females on that field. It's all boys now. Yeah. I'll start again. I think I'm going to start again in March. And also... Uh, you are childhood friends with Nikki Deloche, which is crazy. It is. I mean, well, it is. And I think about that a lot because I've had, I've had so many transitions with the females in my life over the last decade, the coming and going of people moving away and just the transient nature of us moving so much. And for me, when I became a mother, you know, I knew I needed women in my life because I loved women. But when I became a mother, I felt like I was suddenly part of the uh, supreme cauldron of humanity. <laughs> That's a big word for me right now because I feel like in the last couple of weeks, my need to express my appreciation for all humanity has been pretty great in my spirit. And it's just, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue a lot. So you might hear me repeat myself. The whole thing that has sort of been the community of women was something I focused on a lot. And I think you and I think you and Teresa have talked about this. I've heard you talk about this with guests like the pump station and all of that. Yeah, the tribe of women. I've never felt more empowered as a woman. And I went to a women's college and I loved my girlfriends there. And obviously it was very important then. But there is something about having a child and the um, and now being pregnant, not having the energy to do a lot of things. I've really been distilling down like what's most important to me because mm-hmm. I don't have the time and I don't have the energy. And mm-hmm. so I've become this crazy essentialist. And I'm realizing that, you know, number one, Sabrina and Adam, I was going to put, he's at like one and a half, right? <laughs> and then number two is my female friendships. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are what keep me going. Like I, I get, I don't get more excited than like uh, Jessica Coulter, who was our guest two weeks ago. She just released this PSA on family leave. It's called, um, it's like, it's about being five years pregnant because the woman uh, doesn't want to give birth because she doesn't get family leave. And watching that video, uh, it was posted on the Huffington Post, and it's like getting a lot of traction. Like to think that that woman that was sitting on my bed two weeks ago eating a cold burger that she. <laughs> came up with and was like the mastermind of and directed this PSA that's going to change people's thinking. Like nothing gets me more excited. You guys are just such rock stars. Well, and it's, you know, it's no accident that we've all found each other. I mean, that's it. And that's sort of in a long-winded way that's, I really, when I became a mother, understood that the female support and understanding is such a requirement. And the male is. Don't get me wrong, because I have, like, the most extraordinary supportive husband. But, you know, that's not to say that, again, I have always had the utmost respect for women. But now that I understand, I mean, I have such compassion, too. It's like (laughs) hormones, I never thought about hormones so much in my life. I never had such compassion for how much chemistry can affect a person's experience and relating to another person and how when we get together, I mean, you hear about women cycling up on their period and stuff when they're around (laughs) each other enough. It's a funny thing, but I believe it because to me, that's like that unconscious biological support that we we do that. We chemically change each other. And I think it's really important now. I mean, you know, case in point, the march, it's like to have that experience, to be completely safe in a crowd that size. I've never felt that before. I've never been, I'd never marched actually, which is so nuts to me, but I had never marched and I'd never Imagine that a woman would come up and offer me cookies and (laughs) I would help a little boy find his mom and that, you know, I would run into these people that were really like putting it out there and then other people that were just sort of starry eyed about the whole thing. And it's just kind of a great time, I think, to really drop into what that essential stuff is for each person. I think we're kind of 
I think there's a collective consciousness about that. And I think women really are standing in their own right now, which is nice. It's nice. You know I'm going to cry 40 times in this episode just for your Valentine's wish. Well, good, because let's go back to your childhood then. (laughs) Right. Bring it. Uh, What delighted you most about growing up in rural Georgia? You know, I knew it at the time, but I really know it now. I think it's because I could just be alone and be outside and be okay. Like my kid, there's no way no. he can have that here. I've seen on this block in, I guess, almost this, will, we're going into our ninth year, I think, in this house. Eighth or ninth year. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we are so on the same track. It's crazy. It's You've that, been married 10 years. Uh-huh. I've been married nine and a half. Uh-huh. Both in, in these. I mean, we moved into our house in 2008. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, well, it was either 2007 or 2000. And by the way, everybody, when there isn't enough parking on my street, I park in front of Katie's house. That's how close <laughs> we are. So what horrible things have you seen on your street? Is that what you were about to tell us? No, just that I've only seen two children oh. walking around without adult supervision. And oh, they're probably yeah. like nine-year-old boys, and they're on skateboards and bikes. And, right. And two, two of them in all this time. I know. Because that's... That's the world we currently live in, and certainly the 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 city uh, speaks to that. But I had, I mean, I would go outside, shut the door, and come back when it was time to eat. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. How would you describe your mother? Uh, intense and um, definitely a product of her upbringing, and uh, and I've given a lot of thought to this because I knew we'd probably talk about her. And there is no, I love talking about mamas. You do, and it's my thing. I don't. Well, it's your thing, and I really tangle it all. I really appreciate the care with which you openly say, "I have an instinct to protect her," and this is our story. And I feel like it's generational. I feel like, to a degree, a lot of us, though you're a bit younger than me came up in a time where we all had working mothers. We all had mothers that were part of the whole Reagan area and the time before it and their mothers, some of them, you know, my father's mother, depression era stuff. So it's very interesting when you look at the ancestry and where we sit now. And my mother for sure was the unseen child, never satisfied her idea of what her mother wanted her to be. Um, Is that what led her to striving so hard on her career? I'm sure. And it's interesting. Her mother went to Vanderbilt when she was 14. Whoa. Yeah. Was divorced, remarried. You know, she was a very, another dynamically different, but a very intense Mm -hmm. energy as well. So I grew up with a lot of that. My father's mother was she could outwork anybody on the farm. And she was like, you know, four foot nothing. She was a peanut of a woman, but just fierce and very quiet, um, not a very outwardly expressive person, but there was always like a quiet storm in her. So Mm -hmm. very juxtaposed to my mother's mother, who was um, privied herself to be very refined and she was educated at a young young age and and again you know divorced at a time when no one did that which I always thought was pretty cool because it it did sort of tell me that she was willing to really be in her life mm-hmm. but married the alcoholic it was a family mm-hmm. of al-anons really mm-hmm. and I don't know how much anybody really understood that because he had come back from war was wounded like it was like all this of that This is your grandfather? It's my grandfather my grandfather, yeah, and she had three marriages. Um, so my parents are still married, you know, wow. and they've been married over 50 years. So my mother went a very different route and was so stand by your man. My father's the only man she's ever been with intimately. Um, so very different. She flipped it on her mother, I mm-hmm. guess, on the woman role in some ways. And it's interesting to think about how that must have affected her. And I really, again, go back and listen to the podcast with Nikki, because you have a lot of, what I love about your podcast is you have such a swath of 
experiences for any parent, because I think men really benefit from li- listening to this too. Um, certainly when your husband does the intros. And <laughs> oh, I that'll make Adam. Adam so happy. And Adam did a Valentine's intro, didn't he? Like, didn't you guys do a Valentine's oh thing once? Probably. So I don't remember. You're old. our podcast historian. I know. I, apparently. <laughs> but um, I, I am so tired yeah, and yeah, tangential Yeah, he did, he did do one, the uh-huh. first one he ever did. He was, it was on our bed, and I don't really remember, but yeah. Yeah, if you don't remember mm. and it was on your bed, yeah. I'm not sure if you the played out the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my mother and I, I was the third child. She had a son first, a daughter, and they were 10 and 12 years older than me. Wow. And yeah, so I was sort of everyone's baby in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was a total latchkey kid because my mom went back to work within, speaking of maternity leave, within a couple of weeks of me being born. Yeah. So I was handed to... Uh, Joanne Westbury was my, I guess, you know, we use the term nanny here, but like that wasn't really part of the South Georgia colloquial uh-huh. speak for a caregiver. It was in essence a home daycare, but I was in it from the time I was a couple of weeks old. By yourself or with other children? With other children. Okay. And, you know, it's very interesting. My husband and I went back before Atticus was born a few years ago. There was a lot going on in my family. And Joanne, this woman I'm talking mm-hmm. about, I had not seen her for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so emotional. And she came to our home. And I remember standing in the front yard with her. And I remember hugging her. And it was such a very fierce, deep, loving hug. And I felt so sad for my mother because what I realized and that was kind of when I made some decisions about the kind of mother I wanted to be to the future children, should I be able to birth them and have them? Because I'd never been pregnant. I didn't know if I could get pregnant. And at this point, I was in my mid-30s, and you hear all kinds of chatter about your fertility and blah, blah, blah. So at this stage, we weren't even anywhere near trying. Mm-hmm. But I remember standing there with Joanne in this embrace, and I remember thinking, you have seen me go through more fundamental transitions than my own mother was able to at certain periods in my life. And I felt so sad for my mom. And I felt her watch that hug. I've never actually talked about this to anyone my husband. And uh, it made me really sad for my mother. And it made me very appreciative that I had known nothing but hard work my whole life, so I was able to have compassion for her. But I was also aware that until that moment, now that I'm an adult woman and she had all of her children around her and this woman, we had this big special day with her, that that might have somewhere in her dawned on her too. And I never asked her. But I think it's it's possible that it did because I felt an energetic shift there. Not a resentment, but just a an awareness So that was interesting for me because I realized I had a lot of mothering that wasn't sourced solely from my own. She was a high-achieving, nationally recognized nurse. She was in the medical profession and really excelled. And I did this TV series where I played um, this hospital administrator. Charlotte King on ABC Drama Private Practice. Yes. For six years. I did. And my mother was actually my source material for that. Charlotte's entire disposition is like a ripoff of my mom when she would teach nursing. And what was funny, I was very scared to get her response because I thought, Mm -hmm. is she going to feel like I'm I'm mimicking her, doing a parody? Will she get it? I mean, what's going to happen here? Yeah, to embody your own mother. Well, I mean, certain traits, though, because she, uh, that, that, Take no prisoners approach that was Charlotte's was very much my own mother's. And uh, what happened the night that it aired, she had like 10 students call her. Miss Strickland, I cannot believe your daughter's just like you. And uh, that tickled her to no end. And she was thrilled about it. Anytime someone said that this, you know, hard-tailed person, this very stubborn person reminded them of her. She got very flattered. And I thought, well, thank God. Well, and it was if, a huge hit. Well, <laughs> Thank God for your relationship with your mother. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. But, it, you know, it's funny. My mom, 
her whole approach comes from her background in nursing. Her approach to many things come from that. And, you know, she, my, she lived with my father's parents when she had my brother while my father was, you know, five hours away going to college. Wow. So that was her first years of marriage as a practical child. And, And I look at that and I just think, my God, I mean, how how did she handle that? How was that? And work and go through school and survive being transplanted into this family. You know, I've been I've been a little hesitant to share certain things, but this is coming to me, so I feel like I have to say it. When when my my parents secretly got married, they snuck off and got hitched in a courthouse. And uh my suspicion is one of two things. I, I think my mother would not have sex with my father unless they were married. <laughs> and I think that's what it was. Um, it's a very convincing tactic. It is a very convincing <laughs> tactic. She was one hot thing, apparently. And um, and she, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. She, uh, she and my dad got married when she finally told her mother a couple weeks later because they lived in separate houses. My grandmother said to her, well, Susan, you made your bed, now lie in it. That was her response, not, oh, you didn't come to me or anything. You know, it wasn't anything like that. Man, generations, Mm -hmm. generations of women who, man, we just had, like, the walls are up. Mm -hmm. And I come from the same background. Mm -hmm. So... I'm having a couple of thoughts off, uh, spitting off of what you said. One is, I think it's wonderful that she found a caregiver for you that you could have such a bond with. And oh, that's amazing. like big mom points for her mm-hmm. in that department. And then it brings up questions of if you're going to work so hard and be the best at your job, how are you there for your kids? And, and Or is it really a matter of figuring out like, yes, you can be gone all those hours, but there has to be a softening when you are with the child. Oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with the rains and the roof guy just showed up? We thought he'd finish the work and he didn't. Sorry, listeners. Can we keep going? And we're back. We had a, a momentary stop because construction workers are now banging outside of Katie's home. <laughs> it's with the rains. We there. <laughs> There is no quiet spot in Los Angeles. Everyone's having last-minute work done. So, Katie, please, what are you doing on Valentine's Day? On Valentine's Day, Valentine's. Oh, my gosh. Who was that person talking through my mouth? We're drunk. Um, Yeah. Yeah, drunk on uh, water and uh, mushroom coffee. Not that kind of mushroom coffee. I'm talking about the ashwagandha and all those other whatever fancy things that people are putting in coffee these days. Um, but, um, and I probably just said that wrong. I am speaking, uh, if anyone's familiar with the One Billion Rising campaign that Eve Ensler started, I feel like it was 2013. I know there was a three in there somewhere. Um, but she is the creative mind behind the vagina monologues, which I had the good fortune of seeing in New York. And it was just, it's so funny. Have you seen it? Have you read it? Vagina I've monologues. Read it. So, you know, and I remember in the very last portion of the monologues, it's the story of Eve Ensler watching her grandchild born, um, and watching her daughter-in-law's vagina opening. And it's so, I mean, it's just so present with what eventually happened to my vagina. Um, (laughs) And I remember hearing that and just being moved to tears because it was such an extraordinary visceral experience. Well, that amazing playwright created an event called One Billion Rising. And all around the world, women dance and they speak And they collectively get together to celebrate being a woman as a way to express anti-violence against women and children and and supporting women who've been violated. Um, So that for me is uh, what a paramount time in our country to have the opportunity to speak. And I'll be down at City Hall and that's going to be amazing on the day that this plays. I'll be doing that that morning. I got to introduce Jane Fonda. 
When I was pregnant with Atticus and had no idea I was pregnant. I literally found out I was pregnant like a couple of weeks later. And I just thought, kid, great things happen to me when you're in my uterus. <laughs> great things. It was because she was always one of my biggest heroes. She's exceptional. Uh, just supreme goddess of a human. As are you. Oh, well, thank you. Katie, you're going to come back on and you're going to talk about your home birth experience. You're going to talk about nursing for three years. Three plus. <laughs> three plus years. Uh, we have so much more to discuss with you in the future. So uh, definitely consider this a demand for a future podcast mom date. Uh, and to our listeners, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Go to iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. Leave a review. Um, give us five stars. It helps us with our iTunes ranking so other mamas can find us. Uh, reach out to us on social media at Atomic Moms on Instagram and Twitter. And just search Atomic Moms on Facebook and you'll find our page. Until next week, trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Atomic Moms.